0: Satan's Side of the Story Contest and Contempt I know Jay says he created everything. You know him as God. We're all gods here in our realm. We all helped create your world, and I was part of the us when creating man in our image. I thought it was a good idea, maybe too good. No, I didn't come up with it. That was Jay's idea. Only, he didn't mind building in the death part. I had a problem with that. Death was okay for keeping the population in check for the other animals, but I saw myself in these new animals called humans, made after our likeness. I couldn't just let aging to death be a part of their creation. Jay tried to reassure us by saying that he would make them innocent so they wouldn't know any better. In other words, he would make them too stupid to know what was happening. Unbelievable. He wouldn't be talked out of it. He thought his plan was the perfect one, and no one else could talk him out of it. Not even me. The appointed position was a temporary one. It was for those who came up with the best ideas when creating worlds. If your contribution stood out, you'd be on the short list, and we all voted. Whoever won became the executive in the creation of the next world. Jay was appointed after we completed his idea of creating humans. If it weren't for humans, I would have kept the position. No, you didn't know. I too held the position. We all have at some point, given enough time, eternity, and you would too. It's always been a contest, but not anymore. All creating stopped when Jay got it. He keeps all the creative powers to himself and delegates all the managing to others. None of us had ever thought of keeping all that power forever. We see each other as equals and have always gracefully stepped down when others win. We knew we'd just have to be creative in the next round. I created the birds. By coming up with mammalian flight, I would re-win the top spot. That wasn't easy, by the way. I had to create a super-light skeletal structure and extra air sacs for the lungs. Then I had to build a brain smart enough for intercontinental navigation and put that very smart brain in a very small space. Insecticus invented living flight first. He made all the bug life. Creating flying insects put him in the lead for the appointment. That is, until I created the lofty fowls of the heavens. My creations were larger, flew higher, and were smarter and more beautiful. Insecticus was jealous. He thought he could make up for his inferior creations by making them more numerous. It turns out that moving targets are more fun to catch than seeds. My creations began eating his creations, securing my lead, and infuriating Insecticus. I never really liked him anyway. Jay could only think about himself. That's why he made humans in our image. It didn't seem very creative to me to just create something like yourself. Despite his lack of creativity, I joined him in his efforts anyway. If I could add the best features to his idea, perhaps with consideration of my already leading creation, I could secure my win. I tried to add wings, but the large brain requires energy from a body too big for flight. So I implemented the desire for flight. If Jay hadn't dumbed down his creation, it wouldn't have taken many thousands of years for your kind to figure out how to fly. I think Jay knew what I was up to because he didn't take any of my good ideas. I also suggested feathers. You didn't clothe them with feathers. Or fur, or hair either. He just left them naked like a mole rat, only above ground and vulnerable to the sun. Weird. All that was bad enough, but making humans with built-in death was just narcissism with a twisted dose of malevolence. It really sickened me. I couldn't just go down there and tell the humans they were all dying. I had to wait for the right time. If I waited long enough, Jay would be somewhere else creating some other tortured reflection of himself and I could subtly save the humans. If I waited too long, they would reproduce and complicate their salvation. I had to disguise my identity. Appearing there myself would raise suspicion with the others. No one was allowed to interact with them. If I was seen, they would no doubt alert Jay that one of us entered the garden. Getting myself banned forever from Earth wouldn't save any humans. Vegan was the first to create life. He created all the plants. He was on the fast track to win the head of hosts appointment until a major problem was discovered. His plants depended on a gas that was quickly displaced by gas they exchanged. It was unsustainable. The rest of us immediately went to work to try to create a life form that used the process in reverse. Perhaps one of us could at least tie him for the appointment. It turns out that the sun isn't the most effective source of energy for the process. You should have seen the horrified look on Vegan's face when everyone began creating things that ate plants. It was the most hilarious moment of creation. He was furious. Because I liked vegan, I created my birds to only eat seeds, which were more than plenteous, and once insecticus bugs were everywhere, they would become most of my birds' diets. My birds would only use the dead material for nesting. Despite my gracious accommodations, vegan would be the one to betray me. Eden, the trick of the trees. After it was clear that Jay was likely to win the Lord of Hosts, Vegan made an interesting yet naive play. He thought the aging was an unintended oversight and tried to make his greatest plants complementary to the humans. He made the Tree of Life to aid in their immortality. He also saw their lack of wit as an opportunity for improvements for higher intelligence. This is why he created the Tree of Knowledge. Who knows what other great contributions vegan could have made if Jay hadn't stopped him by consolidating all the creative powers to himself. Jay would have destroyed those trees if he could, but only the creator of a thing can destroy it altogether. Instead, he commanded the humans not to eat of them Imagine telling someone that eating a fruit will kill them, when the only way that they can live in the long run is by eating that very fruit. I wasn't the only one that saw how much of a mistake it was to give Jay the reins of power. Others had noticed, too. Reptilius and his gang were among us who were alarmed. Reptilius created all the cold-blooded animals. He suggested I fly in as one of my birds and inform the humans on what was going on. After all, mine was the only created kind that could talk, other than the humans. I thought that was too risky. The word of my disagreement with Jay, now the supreme leader, was no doubt known among all the gods. That's exactly how everyone would expect me to rescue the humans and spite Jay for beating me in this round. Those who were weak and too scared to stand up to Jay would be looking for that. I had to be more subtle. The humans hadn't yet seen a snake, and they didn't know that the birds were the only mammals to come close to a conversation. I could slither in there unnoticed and deliver the saving message leave, and no one would be the wiser, except the humans. Since snakes don't talk and I would be talking through the snake, we could suggest that the humans ate some hallucinogenic and imagined the whole thing up. That would give me just the cover story I needed to avoid suspicion. It was a good plan and it almost worked. Unfortunately, there was another conspiracy among the gods that Reptilius and I were unaware of, and a lie that did us all in and doomed humanity. In order for the humans to be saved, they had to eat from both trees. If they ate from the tree of life but not the tree of knowledge, they would live a long time but wouldn't be smart enough to fix their own genes for a permanent solution. Simply revisiting the tree of life wasn't a good plan. Jay would notice that they weren't dying on schedule and cut them off from the source. If they only ate from the tree of knowledge, they would be smart enough to correct their DNA, but probably wouldn't live long enough to advance that far. Getting at least one bite of fruit from both trees would make them sufficiently smart and live long enough to fix their own genetic makeup and permanently end their aging to death. There was a problem, however. The two trees weren't close enough to each other to get them to eat from both before getting caught. I had to pick one to start with and hope for the best. I chose the tree of knowledge. They were supposed to be together. They were always together. When I arrived, however, Eve was alone. Where is Adam? I inquired. Oh, hi, she replied with a bit of surprise. What kind of animal are you? I'm a snake, I replied, trying to be efficient, but without rushing and raising suspicion, I continued, I'm hungry. Uh, What kind of fruit do you recommend around here? Oh, well, mangoes are my favorite. Have you had any of them? How about these, I interrupted, trying again to get right to the purpose of my being there. That tree is poisonous. I wouldn't eat that if I were you, she warned. Wasn't this garden planted with all the trees selected? Why would anyone plant a poisonous tree here, I asked, aiming for just the right tone of reason and a hint of incredulity. That's a good question, she commented. I heard there are a few trees around here that could make one wise. I wonder if this tree is one of them, I suggested, feigning a pondering tone. She looked at the fruit closely and picked one from the tree. I'll eat one if you will, I offered. I wrapped around a fruit, twisted it off the tree, and brought it to the branch above that I was wrapped around. Let's see what happens, I suggested, then swallowed it whole. See, I'm still alive and it sure does taste good. She picked one and took a bite. That is good she exclaimed. I've got to find Adam so he can try it too. That sounds like a good idea, and you are sounding smarter already, I flattered. By the way, you have to try the tree of life on the other side of the garden. I had one the other day, and it was so delicious. Besides, if by chance this was poisonous, it wouldn't harm you after you ate from that tree, I proclaimed. Using desire and fear together was the most persuasive play I could make. Though my plan appeared to begin as a non-starter, it was all but a sure thing now. She left to find Adam. I thought the wisdom from the tree would help, but despite my flattery, I didn't really notice any difference. Snakes don't travel very quickly, and so I couldn't be of much help. By the time she found him and they got to that other tree, it was too late. Jay had a guardian blocking access to it. One of the other gods had tipped him off. They were escorted out of the garden, never to return. They still didn't seem any smarter. It wasn't until many years passed that I realized I had been lied to. We all had been lied to by Vegan and Jay. "'When the humans were living hundreds of years, "'I knew they had not ate from the tree of knowledge, "'but rather the tree of life. "'Vegan had switched the names of the trees. "'He must have been the one who alerted Jay "'about what was going on. "'That fruit from the tree of life was so powerful "'its effects lasted for many generations before wearing off. "'People were living for 900 years.' It's just too bad that they didn't have the wisdom from the tree of knowledge. They would have lived forever. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Remember to subscribe so you can get notified on my next one and share this thing with others. Have a good day.